Hey, Murdoch, I just started reading The Shepherd. Stop. Shepherd, that's not on the index page. So just no further. Get out of here with that stuff. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mjordach. And I'm Josiah. Oh, yeah, you chimed in. I was going to say, and we got Josiah back, but you just popped in there. Yeah, I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. Glad to have you back. It's nice to be back. Yeah, three episodes now. (laughs) Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, we had to turn the vision into two because it was long. I was seriously just like, what was the first episode? Wait, you have been on the podcast before? This is your first time. Or second time, third time. He's been on the Other than the Shepherd of Hermas, have you been on the podcast before? I have not been on the podcast. I was remembering you being on the podcast for some other thing. So when you're like, oh yeah, third episode, I was like, yeah, that last time we talked about... (laughs) (laughs) You have talked to me about being on the podcast a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what you might be remembering. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm down. And it took forever. Yeah, we figured it out, though. We figured this is the thing to have you on. Yeah. Yeah, Hermos. Like, why not this very rare, no one's really read lately document? Yeah. What are you laughing at? (laughs) I was like, so we're going to bring in the very rare, nobody's ever met Josiah. (laughs) (laughs) I am fairly quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that you say that, though. Um, I mentioned to my parents, like, yeah, I'm going to be on an episode. Like, I sent it out to them and stuff. And I guess they met up with uh, my uncle and my aunt. And they mentioned the podcast and stuff like that. And they mentioned, like, the book. And, like, I guess my uncles read it. And I'm like, mm. oh, that's cool. Like, someone outside of this who, like, knows about it or has read it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It is really. Uh, so, like, when I put it up and, like, even... uh Christian podcast groups I'm a part of, like a lot of times I'll get like, what is this? And then like when we did the Didache, it was the same thing. What is this? So I was like, oh, it's this ancient blah, 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 blah. And, you know, all the stuff that we talked about. But so many people are always like, I didn't even know this existed. And what's interesting to me, especially in this section, when we get into the commandments, like this is at least this part. I'm like, this follows and tracks along a lot of lines of what we have as far as scripture mm-hmm. and the Bible is just tracking right along with very similar themes. But it is interesting to me that like, I mean, even for us, like we talked about in the last episode, like we did not know what this book was until Murdoch was like, Hey, here's this book. Yeah. And it's interesting. And it, yeah, it, it really is just as interesting. Yeah. It's really cool. That's my usefulness in life. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you I can tell you about something you never heard before. <laughs> Uh, at least it's not like useless stuff. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> I'm just wondering about people listening to our podcast. I'm like, I don't know. Is the shepherd useful well, to, to be seen? I, I think when we dive into this one, we'll see that it's a lot more. We're yeah. not in those visions with the ladies and the oh, yeah. the beasts and the towers and the yeah. everything else. So, Let's yeah. get started in it then. All right. There's 12 commandments. Right. And they all build on top of one another, really. And uh, again, like I said, they just repeat a lot of the fundamentals that the early church had and what even we know as Christianity. Uh, And they really progress from this rather like basic, simple command to then sophisticated discernments, spirit type thing. Uh, And I think really the cool part that I liked about it is that um, the moral theology of Hermas is just saying you would change isn't enough. Right, just saying we're going to do something is enough, but it's really that our heart has to be open to the change, and and that's what leads to us uh, being able to not do the evil actions. Because there's a lot of that in here, like you got to do this and not do this. Uh, there's a lot of the two ways uh, philosophy within the twelve commandments. So, commandment number one. Yeah. Um, so I guess just to summarize, commandment number one, it's have faith and have a fear in God. And also just cast off all unrighteousness and put on the righteousness that he gives us. That's it, huh? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's a small one. It's like... There's a couple three, sentences. Yeah, yeah it's... Sentences. Yeah. yeah, but it is simply summed up to like, yeah, have faith, fear God. Uh, I, f- I found this was really cool because you see like there's this faith and fear equal reverence equation mm-hmm. that in this, like these few verses. And uh, fear of the Lord is just such a healthy thing. And especially for that community, it was just like, this is 
how we understand the relationship with God is to have fear in him. Yeah. Yeah, I think just one thing in there that is easy to gloss over. It says, first of all, believe that there is one God. And just like, yeah, this is Roman times and everything else where you have a lot of like, no, there's more than one God. And as we've talked about on the show, it's just like, we believe that, no, there's the creator God. There's other created mm-hmm. beings who would maybe call themselves gods. But definitely when you're bringing in this concept, no, one God, mm-hmm. that that is maybe simple and glossed over for us as Christians, but like to the audience of the day, that way, hold up. Let me think about that. I think that gets so lost in us too, because of like, yeah, no one's really talking about like the God of this or that anymore. Um, they're just, you know, you worship TV or money, and, but they're not really painting it as like a God thing other than you're just worshiping an object thing. Like there's nothing behind it. Uh, so we get lost behind that concept. Yeah, sometimes we, get, we don't get the actual point of what's getting mm-hmm. said. Yeah, because even like in the modern day, when you think of like the different religions, the big ones, like think of, you know, Christianity, uh, Judaism, and Islam, like it's the Abrahamic God trio mm-hmm. where it's like, Outside of that, you don't have much of like, you know, like you're saying like you don't have like your Zeus's or like stuff like that. So it's very similar. Obviously, they're different, but a very kind of like similar kind of thing being stated about like who God is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that at most like Hinduism's big to where you have like the plethora of gods there. Buddhism, you're not really looking at God. There is a resurgence, though, in paganism which is really interesting, and different forms of paganism. Like, there's lots of people going back to, like, Norse stuff or different things. And um, so that, that is interesting that even given, like, no, it's almost been wiped out. And it's like, nope. Yeah. Just underneath. Yeah, the one thing, too, with just this command, and then we can move to command number two, was uh, it did remind me a lot of the Psalms, mm-hmm. where it was like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow its precepts have a good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise, so that... The beginning is the fear of the Lord. That's where we start with all wisdom. So I did like that before we got into any other of the other commandments that, you know, the shepherd gives Hermas, he starts off with believe in God and fear God. Like that's your base understanding before you could get into all the deeper things. Because once you do, like that's the jumping point. That's going to launch you into following all the rest. Yeah. Um, so you have James, right? Even the demons believe, and then you have mm-hmm. Hebrews, or it's like, if anyone wants to come to God, you have to believe that he is, and even that he'll reward you. Um, so yeah, I, I see that's there. One last thing, and then we can move on, but also that thing of like, there is one God. I can almost see that the getting ahead of the, well, what is the Trinity type thing, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, even yeah. here, establishing, no, there's one God. It's not three gods, it's not this, it's not that, like, mm-hmm. there's one God. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not that was the intention behind what was being said there, like it is being defined. Yeah. Right. Commandment number two. All right. Um, if I had to sum up commandment number two, it would probably come up to don't slander others and give to the needy. I'm just put it very shortly and briefly. Yeah, that is a good summation. Um, I, I like that it had an even slandered identified as like an evil spirit. Yeah. Like if you slander that, where is that at? Let me actually find it. Ah, here it is. Uh, Thus then, uh, you will be guilty of sin of him who slanders, for slander is evil and an unsteady demon. So that's what I found really interesting was like they compared slander to an evil spirit. And when we think about it, like, again, uh, this notion of like spirits and demons and stuff, like, you know, no one's really looking around going like, oh, that person's possessed. It's kind of like been uh, we've under spiritualized really a lot of things. and to think that when I talk bad about someone, I'm like, well, that's a demon in my life. Like when I'm slandering someone in that sense. Yeah, I, I did like that. Um, uh, there's also like, a, I struggled with it because my translation had a be simple. Yeah, simplicity. Yeah, and I was really trying to figure out what simplicity meant. Um, but I read somewhere in a commentary that it said childlike absence of evil. And then it's just like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get this now. Like, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, really on the thing of simplicity, um, I think that, like, early Christians really considered that as a virtue mm-hmm. of, like, really holding simplicity up there. I remember uh, there's a local uh, youth pastor, Jason, that's around here, and we were talking through some, like, spiritual disciplines type thing and developing, and he had simplicity on there. 
And normally that's not something that you hear. Mm-hmm. So I talked with him a little bit and then I dug into it more and just realizing how much simplicity really as a way of life is a marker of Christianity mm-hmm. and definitely not something that tends to be a marker of Americans in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So yeah. just like, so then even the American church, because that doesn't really get highlighted so much, is like the closest that happened is maybe when everyone decided to watch Marie Kondo and like, yeah, simplify, right? Mm-hmm. But like that wasn't really like, oh, a Christian virtue happening. And so that's an interesting study because even here where he's saying to the one who ministers in simplicity will live to God, keep these commandments in simplicity, right? And you're giving glory, it's glorious to God. So these different things, even how the the section starts off with this commandment, he said to me, be simple and guileless. So really bringing in that innocence, but also the, the actual simplicity in the, probably in the way that we understand it too. It's just like, it's simple. Whereas the world around them at that point, like, man, building up so much in rhetoric and sophistry and just different stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Christians live a simple life. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that and was like, I like to overcomplicate things. I like to get into the weeds. I want to talk about that stuff. I want to break it. So I think that there's that thing of like, how do you have understanding and also live simply? Like, what are you actually putting forth and prioritizing? Kind of like how Jesus says, um, be wise as serpents, but peaceful as doves. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's like you got to have it, but then present in a way. I think it's the two intention. When you're talking about like the generosity part too, I liked. Uh, I think it was at least in my book. It has verse five, but it's um, give to all for God wishes His gifts to be shared among all. And yeah, I did like that connection because it was like when give to all because the gifts you got from God, God wants you to share that with other people. It's like the mm-hmm. the notion of we get to give, like we're we're giving. Uh, even to those who just don't look like they should get it, um, but we're doing it. And uh, I, I like, too, there was a part that is, I don't know if it said this or I read it in the commentary, but it said, it is the spirit which one should give without regard to the recipient who is accountable to God. So it's like when you're doing it, like, just just give. And, and a lot of this kind of reminded me of the Didache. Didache. I was just going to say that yeah. was like that section in the Didache. It was like, just give it to give because you're called to give. And then it's up to the person on what they did with that. Like if they're using it for wrong reasons or for, you know, all the purposes of why we don't really give to people in need anymore, um, then that's on them. They're accountable to God on that. But for us, it's yeah, just be willing to give. I think just thinking back on just saying of my parents, I don't know if my mom coined it or where she got it from. I remember her just growing up. She has always said, um, we're blessed to be a blessing and like this is it like we get blessed by god so we in turn can bless others and just having that mindset of like oh no this is why i have these blessings bestowed upon me it's not so i can just hoard it in but so i can give it to those who need it Mm -hmm. so taking that because these are mandates or commandments right and a lot of a lot of times when people hear, oh, it's a commandment, we get into this different mode of like what that means and then just like, well, I need to be obedient and all this stuff. It's like, well, no, commandments from God are good things. How you're saying, it's a blessing, right? And I saw in action last night that um, in our ministry, there was somebody that needed some funds for something and something was going on and she's super new. She just got baptized like very recently. And then someone else in the ministry just like, she was talking about it and I didn't even realize that he had reached into his pocket and all of a sudden, he was just handing her money. I was like, it was a good chunk of money too. She's like, no, I can't take that. And he's like, no, like I have been blessed to have this. I, I hear the need that you're having. Like, I want you to take this. And just the idea of that kind of generosity, because mm-hmm. this was only the second time that they've been around each other. And he was even like, he was like, oh, I've never met you before. And she's like, no, you did. So like, they don't know each other. Yeah. And he's just like reaching into, and these are young adults who basically people are like, hey, they're broke. And he's just handing her a, a handful of money saying, no, go take care of your stuff. Like, it's fine. Like, it's a blessing. Like, I want you to be able to do it. And like, she was almost in tears because where else do you see that? Yeah. You know, and especially mm-hmm. when you look in the ancient world and in today's world, this thing of the commandment of like, give to others in generosity you've been blessed so that you can be a blessing it's like to even witness that and see just like how much of god's goodness was in that and just for me linking that as what a commandment is doing like it's bringing love it's bringing righteousness it's doing stuff it's not like oh you better keep the commandments or god's mm-hmm. mad at you it's like look at what happens when we keep the commandments so that was uh I wouldn't have had all that to say if that didn't happen last night. Yeah. But just like a really real experience of what it is to be giving to others. Yeah. It's not if you just mark it down, it's like, oh, I better be obedient. It's like you're missing out on the heart of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good like 
practical way of looking at it too, because I think for a lot of times it's hard when we just kind of think of the concepts of generosity and giving and like, really we get wrapped up so much with this is mine yeah, that we forget that it was a gift. You know, we forget this, uh, God wishes his gifts to be shared. What that really is telling me is that what I have was the gift. He gave it to me. So why am I not sharing it? Like, so we get caught up with this is mine. I got to save this just in case my rainy day or this and that. It becomes very uh, selfish. But then when you're looking at it, God's like really saying, no, you, you give because I gave to you, you know, give to people. Uh, we, we have like a generosity fund uh, that me and Justine, we set up and like we're, we save this much of what we make a month and we, you know, we find people that need help and we give it to them. Um, sometimes we do it uh, anonymously. Sometimes it's like here, you know, you know your needs. So here, um, but when we once we decided to do that, it's crazy when you read the what, what Malachi is like, you know, give to God or yeah, test me on this. test me on this. It was crazy to see what God actually did with our finances after that. And I'd never want to say give to see like God give you more. God says that He says test. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I just, it's weird to say it, but like. You know, it is a true thing. Like yeah. when, when, God, when God sees your willingness to relinquish what you hold so tightly, he, he does bless so much more. Why are you guys looking at me? I really thought you were going to say something. Yeah, but I also want to move on to the other one. So I'll okay. say it real quick, but then you guys got to move <laughs> okay. along. Um, there is a, one of the famous pastors that's out there. And think of the one that you don't hate because it might be that one, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Because you look at, they get a lot of money yeah. and there's all this stuff going yeah. on. But uh, from his own testimony, talking about that there have been more than once in his life that God has asked them to give up everything, to sell it all, give to the poor and to do that. And where he really looks like I was obedient in those times. And he's just like, I feel like that's where God was able to trust me in this area of my life to where like, I'm not doing it for the money. Mm. And like, even if you look at like, and he's like, if you look at what I'm doing right now, like... I'm not spending it on cars. I'm not doing all this stuff. So I thought that that was interesting too, that how you're saying like, oh, it's amazing to see what God does. Because like, oh, you are my servant and I can trust you with this thing. So I can trust you with more. Mm -hmm. He's who is faithful with the little I can trust with more, right? So those mm -hmm. concepts. All right, next commandment. All right, commandment number three. Um, I summed it up as a speak and a walk in truth always. Mm. Yeah, this one was was fun. Um because there's that portion in there that says, uh, uh, the Lord who dwells in you will be glorified because the Lord is truthful in every word and in him is no falsehood. Uh, therefore, uh, they who lie deny the Lord and rob him. And that stood out to me so much because I was like, wait a second, what do you mean I rob God when I lie? Like, we always go back to like, we rob God with, when we don't give with our generosity, what we were just talking about. Yeah. The way this is phrased and it totally did a different thing in my brain of understanding why the they're like even not lying is part of the Ten Commandments now. Mm -hmm. Like because when we do it, we're not just telling a lie or deceiving other people. We're actually robbing God because in Him is there's like no falsehood. It was that uh, banking metaphor that it uses: the the lover of truth returns a deposit intact, while the liar makes uh, it defiled and lesser value. So in a sense, when we then lie, we're making God uh, we defile God or I guess the Old Testament would say profane. And uh, to the people around us, we present him in a lesser value. Yeah. And like, I guess like the attitude also just to help with that. In the, the first sentence, it says, love truth and let nothing but truth proceed out of your mouth. And so it really like can come down to how much do you love truth? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if you don't love truth, you're willing to tell a lie. And like, there's that compromise in there. And it's like nothing but truth. So like, any little white lie or whatever, it's like, should I have said the truth in that moment? Just gets you thinking on what line do you draw compared to what line God would want you to be at? Well, let's take the example that's in here, right? Because you're, you're saying, look at the attitude that's there and look, it's like, love truth and all the truth. And you get here to his like, I heard these things and I wept most violently. So when the shepherd saw me weeping, he says, why are you weeping? And I said, because, sir, I don't know if I can be saved. Why? He said. And I said, because, sir, I've never spoke a true word in my life. 
but have ever spoken cunningly to all and have affirmed a lie for the truth to all. And no one ever contradicted me, but credit was given to my word. How then can I live since I have acted like this? <laughs> How you're saying like, man, should I have told the truth in the moment? And just like, here you have, again, Hermas with this angelic being that's here saying, here's a command, love the truth, nothing else coming from you. And he's just like, I lie all the time to everybody <laughs> and everybody believes me. Yeah. And I read that and was like, oh, I should be weeping violently too because mm-hmm. it's far too easy to just say stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Better to just shut up and be quiet, right? Yeah. It's like for, for Hermos, there was an importance of integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really what it, to me, that's kind of what I was looking at here too is it's like uh, our words, like that's really where our integrity lies in what we say. Um, I used to be a, um, what's the best way to put it? A liar. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) When it came to calling out of work, like I would call out just because like, I mean, a lot of times I didn't really understand what I was going through more on the mental side when like depression would kick in and anxiety would kick in. Like I didn't really understand that like, oh, I'm not feeling good today because it was depression. It was just like, "Ah, I just don't feel like it. Like that's what I would, what, what would happen. So I would call into work and, you know, at first I would do like, oh, yeah, I'm sick. (laughs) It's really bad. And they're like, okay, get rest, come in tomorrow. And then I'm like, cool, out of work now. Uh, But then it was like, you need a doctor's note. But I was like, I don't have a doctor's note. Now I got to go to the doctor and tell him, like, look, I called out sick, but I just need a note to say I'm okay to go back to work. And now I've got the doctor lying with me. Like, it became this big thing, right? So then I got smarter more clever and I said you know what no one questions stomach issues like if you're like telling them you're on the toilet all day uh no one's really gonna be like oh yeah we need doctors they're just gonna be like oh yeah yeah go no they hang up the phone so quick so I'll just blame it on that until one day and this is how long this went on Justine was like why are you lying all the time because I don't want to go to work but she said your integrity I was like, ah, oh, dang it. You're right. So when I was working at, at, the, at the last job I had, I called one day and I was just like, oh, no, I could text. By now, technology has, had advanced. You could text your boss. So much easier to get away with lies yeah. when you can text them. Yeah, you don't even have to fake the voice thing. Sound sick. Yeah. That was me. So I sent it in and I, I texted them. I was like, I'm just not having a good mental day. And they're like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. Like your mental health is so important. I was like, wait, what? I can use my sick day. And they're like, yeah, your mental health. And it blew my mind. I was like, I was honest and it was okay. But isn't that the thing yeah. about lying is that we lie because we don't want the outcome that we think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So yep. we think that if we lie, we can manipulate the reality to be the thing that we want. Mm-hmm. And just like, it doesn't matter what, it, even if you need to face a seemingly bad thing, it's so much better to just deal with what comes with the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in that situation where I was going through depression and stuff like that too. And like, I mean, I'm not as old as you are, so I could just text. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Um, oh, but no, like, I would like text. I go, hey, I'm not feeling well. Like I wouldn't like, I would keep it vague. So like it wouldn't question because if I would have said like, oh, hey, like, I'm feeling depressed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I worked in like a, it was more of like a tougher place. So like, it was like the thing of like, would I get called out for like being weak or whatever? So I'm like, oh, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be weak. But then like, like Chris was saying, like, I didn't really understand like what was going on with me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so then like, but yeah, but just being caught up in the line is how easy it is, especially when you can't even like see the person. You don't have to see the person where it seems inconsequential to where like you're saying like, where does your integrity stand? Yeah. And it's like, who's getting hurt by this? Right. I, to me, like when I was calling out of work, it was like, who's getting hurt by this? Well, the people who had to pick up my slack. But, um, you know, that's kind of the mindset. Like this is not harming anyone. So it's not bad. Yeah. And, but where you're seeing this line and I mean, you even see it in the Bible, too. So it's not like Hermes is pulling from something out of his magical hat. But it's like your integrity is. And then your integrity, because if people know you're a Christian, well, now you're kind of showing God in a lesser value. Um, you're depreciating who he is to other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just, it was a really cool, small little command that I just thought, like, the analogy and the wording just really kind of 
kind of punched me in the gut, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to follow up because maybe as we're all saying like, oh no, we're all liars. Like, <laughs> how can we obtain life? Welcome and to the, your church friends podcast. This is what the shepherd follows up. And he says, he says some stuff and then he goes, if you keep these precepts and from this time forward, you speak nothing but the truth, it will be possible for you to obtain life. And whosoever shall hear this commandment and depart from that great wickedness falsehood shall live to God. So it's just like, what do I do going forward? It's just like, repent, turn, mm-hmm. start speaking the truth. And it's hard to speak the truth. It requires a great deal of intentionality and control and thought over, I'm, I need to be truthful here. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what's the alternative? Just keep lying? It's like, put the, put the effort towards truth telling. Yeah. yeah. All right. Commandment number five, the long one. I'm going to correct you and say commandment number four. Yeah. I got confused for a second, too. Uh, Commandment number four. It is four. I wrote on my notes commandment five. Oof. Am I off? Did I skip one? I hope not. We've we've actually been talking about two different commandments this whole time. It just happened. (laughs) Yeah, we blended them. Typo on my notes. Go for it. Commandment number four. Command number four. Um, Like Chris said, this is a really long one, Um, but I summarize it as don't have thoughts of adultery or fornication. And then uh, also bringing in like how to deal with an adulterous spouse. And then how many times of repentance is there? Yeah, this one I found interesting. Uh, and there's so much within it. It is probably the, the longer the commandments. Uh, the thing I found really interesting, though, was uh, where he talked about staying unmarried. If you like you get divorced by, you know, if your spouse has an affair on you. Yep. Um, stay unmarried because of the possibility that that person changes their heart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you guys could reconnect. And that just was so, it's so different than what we hear or what's being taught. And this is where, th- that part right there is where, why Tertullian said uh, that Hermas was the lover of adulterers and the shepherd of adulterers. Like, that's why he labeled that book that way, because that section of, like, forgiveness in a sense. Yeah, I know that when first bringing this up and Josiah, when I told you, and then I remember I was doing the dishes and I was listening to it on audio, and then we were texting back and forth and we were talking about this part right here. So what are your further thoughts on it? Just start with my initial thoughts, but I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Like, as probably as anyone else's first impression would be, but just like the standard of, I guess, just like what God would want would be for someone to, if they've sinned, to repent of their sins and then to have a restoration with him. And I just think that can be also brought into like the marriage covenant where it's like, yeah, like the spouse sinned against the other spouse and there was like a separation in there. But then as God waits like for us, he like the spouse waits for the other spouse to come back in repentance. And it's like, I don't see that at all in the church or in life i should actually say just generally today like if someone remains single it's because like yeah i'm done with dating i'm done with marriage like i'm okay being single it's not the intent of like i'm waiting for them to come back and like i wouldn't have had that thought until like i read this and so that's why i'm like oh wow like that's a big like commitment because there's so many if ands or buts about it towards like they may not come back like will you be obedient in this yeah they may not come back and you brought up the word covenant and i think that that's the thing when what we're looking at with marriage is the covenant and how serious of a thing that that is right yeah. when you get into like even genesis way back then was like hey the two becoming one mm-hmm. you get that thing of like what god has joined together let no one separate and I guess this is just like a disclaimer because chances are people listening to the show, some of you may have gone through divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, just like when we talk about anything that people have gone through, it's just like, ah, oh, what are you trying to tell me? Or are we like, why are you getting like any of these things that can come up, right? It's like, well, I think that that's a thing for each individual to take to God, mm-hmm. right? We can sit here and talk about yeah. things on a show. But it's just like, that is your life, your relationship with God, your relationship with your ex-spouse and, you know, all of those things. So it's just like, whatever's getting said on the podcast, just like with anything that we talk about, just like, whatever those are, just like, you take that to God and like, you, maybe something here makes sense. But how we're talking about these things not like being worded specifically like this in the scripture, I know that I had gotten to the point, I had gotten asked to do a marriage and 
as I started studying and it would have been my first marriage to do like as a pastor to go and I was like okay and I kind of knew what the history was so I was coming in and while I was doing counseling with them I was simultaneously like really studying in on scripture and when I was looking at like what does it look like to as far as divorce goes and should you remarry and do all this stuff like I really came to the thing was like look under conviction of how I'm reading these things like I can't move forward in marrying you I think that what God wants in this thing is a restoration of the marriage, which is a hard thing to tell people Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's just like, oh, these two people are geared towards Mm -hmm. getting married. They want you to marry them. And just like, I have to go by the conviction of what I'm seeing here. And just like, it's not, I love both of them. Like, I love everybody that's there. Like, I'm still in communication with them. It's just like, I love their family. Right. But it's just like, even still, when it comes to like these things, it's a marriage covenant is just, I think that out of any human experience that we can have, a marriage covenant is like one of those very standout things of creation. Mm-hmm. That like as humans and just like even procreation, just like, nope, you're supposed to link up. You have your spouse, that covenant, you're there and everything is coming from the, like, there's just so much to it that like, I can get why it's so serious to even where it's like, oh, this person left. It's like, well, then you're devoted to that person. Pray for their repentance. Wait for them to come. Like, I can get it. Yeah, and, and this is a, a very different circumstance from where, like, Paul's writing to Corinthians, where, like, it was an unbelieving spouse and a believing spouse, and it was like, well, you know, he followed up with what he said. But, like, this is, like, both of you are believers. Adultery happens, because I, I think it said something about, like, uh, baptism. So for Hermas, like, baptism was like, yep, that's the start, that's you go. Mm-hmm. You're now a follower of God. So it's what happens after someone's been baptized and this happened. And that's where it came in with like, you know, I'm just telling you the command from the shepherd was uh, stay unmarried uh, because maybe they changed their heart. So it it is just interesting because, yeah, inside the Bible, like you have uh, Jesus who says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So he's putting it out there like, oh, sexual immorality, like, okay. Uh, and then I think he said it again in the great in the Sermon on the Mount, and that kind of does follow the practices of like the way the Old Testament shapes idolatry and adultery the same that like that's wandering away. So then, you know, there's the exception of it, and then we get this, and it's like, whoa, this is slightly different than what you're hearing. But then it also follows in suit with that forgiveness thing, and that's what I really got caught up more is like how. And reconciliation, how willing are you to forgive and create reconciliation? Yeah, and within that that forgiveness thing, because even when Jesus talks about it, it's like, because like, well, how come Moses? And, Mo- and he's like, well, Moses did that because the hardness of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think, what's the, what's the Old Testament prophet that married a prostitute? It starts with H? Hosea. That's right, right? Yeah. So you have him, and just like, look at that. She would go out. And he would go and collect her and come back in and be like, no, nope, I love you. You're my wife and doing that. It's just like you have an example of a man married to a prostitute who's going off and doing prostitute things. And he's just like, nope, I'm bringing you back in. I'm loving you. It's like, yeah, there's an example there, huh? Mm-hmm. All kinds of other stuff happened. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. don't, I wouldn't recommend that. But at least the image there mm-hmm. of like you can bring back people in who have cheated on you mm-hmm. if they're willing to come back in. Yeah. There is also, you talked about repentance, um, and the thing that I caught on with that was uh, it really kind of reminded me of what Paul talks about when he talks about grace and the license to sin. Uh, uh, like, grace covers us, but grace uh, shouldn't also create in us the desire to just willingly sin and do things. Uh, and I read somewhere it said, push too far uh, on this topic, and it creates a double standard, but, but, but not pushing it far enough creates intolerable rigorism and exclusion. Uh, so just basically saying, like, if we push too far one way, we have this really, really hard-nosed thing. But if we push too far the other way, then we're just like, yeah, we're running wild with hypocrisy on that one. Um, so it, it's interesting that it was all phrased up in this. And even when we go back to, like, slightly with divorce, I just want to say for myself, as I kind of go through this Hermos section, uh, that it did perplex me. Out of all the commands, this is the one where I was like, I need to read more about because I'm very lost on the questioning, the way it's being presented, on what's happening, um, and even the the whole concept of what it had. Um, I think one thing, and it was kind of above um, talking about like like divorcing your wife and our husband, um, 
but it talks about, um, Shepard says, uh, sir, permit me to ask thee a few more questions. Um, if a man who has a wife that is faithful in the Lord detect her in adultery, does the husband sin in living with her? And the shepherd responds, um, as long as he is ignorant, he doesn't sin. But if the husband knows of her sin and the wife doesn't repent, but continues in her fornication and the husband live with her still, he makes himself responsible for her and an accomplice in her adultery. And I think that reminds me of just in the last episode of Hermes with his family and how he's supposed to like, like check them if they're in sin and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like a, another example of like, no, like you're not just responsible for your own sin. There is a responsibility to help your brother and sister out. Yeah, that's why even when we said it, I think the intro episode and then the last few, uh, this really does give a glimpse into uh, the Christianity theology being shaped after, you know, the, er, the early church time um, while the Christians were in Rome because the Roman uh, custom would be that the, the man is in charge of the household, so that way he has, he's responsible or liable for anything anyone does. And it does follow that same pattern here with that one. Yeah. yeah. Has your once youthful face vanished into an unknown odor reflection? All the wrinkles telling the story of an aged face. Do you wish you could bring back the shining glow you once had? Then get ready to feel born again with the B-Attitude Beauty Products new face mask, The Noah. You trusted them with your hair when they gave you the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner and the Nazarite Shampoo. Well, now you can trust them with the skin on your face. The Noah face mask deeply cleans and removes impurities that can lead to the way of death and restoring your face to the way of life. That old woman face will be rejuvenated back to those young woman looks the more you use Noah's face mask with faith. Simply apply the Noah face mask seven times a day for 16 days straight to have a smooth new face glow. Age will only be a number as your youthful radiance returns with the Noah face mask. So rush to your nearest big box retailer to get yours today. Noah face mask isn't actually sold in stores or FDA approved. Do not use the Noah face mask if you are pregnant, nursing, have back pains, have a heart condition, have recently received a vaccine, have had dental work, or if you simply enjoy having two nostrils and existing. Noah has been known to cause horns to grow from your head, a third eye to appear, cartoon-like features, hunger, and catch scratch fever. Commandment number five? Actual commandment number five? No. Yes, the actual no. commandment. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Because there's one thing in there when we're talking about repentance is that, um, so towards the end, it's the shepherd's talking about stuff, and I don't have verse numbers, so... I'm just going to say stuff. I think he is entrusted to me power of this repentance. And therefore, I say to you that if anyone is tempted by the devil and sins after that great and holy calling, which as you were saying, like baptism, right? So in which the Lord has called his people to everlasting life, he has opportunity to, to repent but once. But if he should sin frequently after this and then repent, to such a man his repentance will be of no avail, for with difficulty will he live. Right? And just that concept of repentance, that you get one repentance. It's just like, like you got called into this thing, but you got tempted and you, fe you fell. You can repent after that. But if you want to go back to a lifestyle of sinning and then you want to repent, like that ain't for you. Mm -hmm. And here's a weird parallel that like lines up with me to the book of Hebrews. Because there's a couple places in the book of Hebrews that says things like this, and people come up with all different kinds of ways of like explaining it. But to me, this is a direct parallel to where basically in Hebrews, it's just like, look, look at Esau, gave up his birthright, right? Like, it's gone. Or like, what, you're going to trample underfoot the blood of the Son of Man and like crucify him all over again? Like, no, there's no repentance for you after that. And I know that the popular way of teaching about that part just like well no there's no more other oh, not that there's no repentance there's no more sacrifice mm. people's like no there's no more sacrifice like jesus was the only sacrifice so you can't go back to sacrificing bulls and goats and lambs like you can't go back to any other sacrifice because he was the only one and that's been done with but just from my plain reading of what's in hebrews it seems like it's saying what's being said in shepherd of hermas mm -hmm. it's just like no you've been given a thing and given all of the, according to 
Peter, right? You've been given everything that you need to walk in that. So if you're going to go and just live a lifestyle of sin, like, you squandered. And this is where I go, am I going to listen to the way that this makes sense to me, or do I really need to learn how to submit to the much smarter scholarly people and <laughs> what the church has been teaching for a while? Because the one that I think of sounds very frightening to me. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, sinning frequently after that first repentance, done that. I can also see how my life has been difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because I've definitely had that experience where, like, I, I've, I felt real hard. And then I can think back to that repentance then and how it was almost like a full renewing. But then I fell back into some stuff after that. And, like, it didn't feel the same as that first renewing, just from my own personal experience. So, just like, I'm hoping it's what all the scholars say. My life experience and what makes sense to me when reading it goes like, it really seems like uh, the same kind of thing wasn't available. Mm. All right, not to say that I'm not saved, not to say that that, but like whatever the blessing is of keeping yourself there, that I ain't fully got that one, right? I can imagine a rebuttal that, like, oh no, God's there. And I was just like, I mean, look at Moses didn't get to enter the promised land. Look at David didn't get to build the temple. Look at the people that because of their actions, some things just weren't for them. Yeah. Not that God didn't love them, not that they're not with him. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of how I shape it. But that's just the thing in there for, on a personal level, because, like, those, those verses in Hebrews always got me. I'm just like, that doesn't sit right. So in that, anybody listening, run far away from sin. Strive to live a holy life, because you don't want to be sitting there worrying about, like, ah, crap, like, is there going to be repentance for me if I do this thing? Like, nah, just just live the holy life. Seek yeah. after God. I would say whatever take on this, whatever side you take on it, like you said, run far from sin, because either way, if you do that, you're good. <laughs> it's just the best thing you can do in either way. Yeah. <laughs> Which Hermas actually gets into in one of the later commandments. So let's keep pressing forward. He actually does cover that. Yes. All right. Uh, actual number five. Uh, be patient, not angry, is how I summed it up. And just right in the first uh, sentence, um, it says, Be thou long-suffering and understanding, and thou shalt have mastery over all evil deeds, and shalt work all righteousness. And just how, if just the patience that we can have, and just like an understanding of what thing is, it's like, if someone cuts me off on the freeway, I could maybe do some unrighteous anger in that. Where it's like, if I be patient and truly like try to understand maybe that person's shoes of like, oh, maybe they're late to work and they really need this job and they're on their last strike. And if they don't, they're going to lose their job and like won't be able to provide for their family. Very extreme take, but a possibility. And I think maybe just having those kinds of understandings and thinking of the other person first over myself can help me personally in those types of situations Mm -hmm. to where having that patience can give me the time and the breath to think about someone else versus uh, thinking about what I want or what I feel like I need in my life. Yeah, it's definitely the thing to strive towards of defaulting to loving patience and giving the benefit of the doubt, right? To default to that place and then waiting until, okay, if I learn more information, and it becomes evident that, like, I should feel a way <laughs> about this. Yes. But yes. to reserve that until then. But yeah. just to, like, hold everybody innocent, even when things look a certain way, yeah. until there's, like, a confirmation that, that like, you know, yeah. it should be different. That's a hard spot to be. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a hard spot to learn to default to. When I was doing the study, the, the commentary I was reading had, for this one, uh, courage and anger. And I was really thrown off by that. So I went back and I read it, and then I read a, a couple of other translations, and none of them said, be courageous. But it said, be patient and everything. And yeah. then so I kept reading to like figure out what, what the commentary was actually trying to say. And it, it said that it's a combination meaning of patient endurance and long-suffering. And a lot of times we think of that of like going through the trials and pushing through those kind of like times of difficulty. But it said it's the ability to direct one's desire constantly towards good over the long haul. It's so much more than the passive endurance that is generally understood by long suffering, but it implies the energy to embrace the good in the face of setbacks. And that just changed how I understood some of this, like 
kind of what you were saying, like no matter where I'm at, no matter what happens to me, if I'm on the freeway and I get like someone cuts me off or I lose patience or like I'm blocked in and I need to get somewhere quickly and I lose patience and I do something dumb, like it's the ability to uh, choose to do the good no matter where you're at over the long haul of your Christian life. Like you're just constantly doing the good compared to like an anger issue where it's like it's just an outburst or you're just like, uh, well, I guess this one was kind of hit home with me because I do have a temper and sometimes I lose it a lot and it comes out in frustration. So it was just like not letting that happen um, instead or just not letting it do that because when it does, like it just eats away at our faith, our freedom, and even just really at who we are. Like the shepherd is telling her mouse, like this, this angry outburst is not good for you. It's unhealthy. And medicine tells us that, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. get angry or else you're going to have a heart attack or you give yourself an ulcer. Like, it talks about how it destroys our body, yet, you know, the Bible was already there. Like, and then Hermas followed it up with, don't do that because it's not healthy for you in that way. Like, again, it was just one of these eye-revealing things to me when it compared patience with courage. Mm. Because I was like, I'd never seen those two together. Yeah. What's your guys' thoughts on, uh, we're still on Fifth Commandment, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, following up that spot on anger, kind of talking there when talking about, oh yeah, so if that wicked spirit's in in a man, then God's spirit will withdraw and leave him, and he won't have the righteous spirit in there anymore. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Of just like, oh yeah, God's spirit just gonna leave you. I I, I saw this. I thought this was interesting. It said uh, it compared it to an allergic reaction. That like you know when when uh you put something in your body that it's not good for it, like if you eat shellfish, like. It, your body just goes all kinds of bad. And it was the same thing. Like the the Holy Spirit, I guess, has an allergic reaction to our our bad. Um, and then there was a comparison to uh, Saul, where the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Yeah, I just think from my thinking, like just the occupying of space and the evil is like the absence of good. So like, an evil spirit taking over just where God is absent and kind of letting that spirit in also of just like, no, I allowed myself to like let the anger consume and where it's, I'm allowing it to push out that spirit and just, yeah, that's how I kind of think about it is just like a, if I have like, I guess a piece of space, I guess I could call it. And I try to put something in while it's already occupied, it's going to force the other thing out. And kind of like how Chris was saying, like an allergic reaction. Like, uh, it makes me think of uh, a video I've seen on the internet of like uh, people comparing like um, like God and sin. And it's like the dish soap and the dirty water and they put their finger in and then like the whatever is in just like, like spreads far from it. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like that's what I'm picturing. It's just like, I guess the inverse of what people use it for, but like the guess dish detergent being like the evil spirit. And whatever is already in the bowl being God. And when that spirit comes, it's like, I'm out. And just, yeah, that's how I kind of imagine it to be. Yeah, it's definitely both of those things. And because you're saying, oh, driving the spirit, like I'm doing this thing. So it's driving him out. But then the how it's words it here is like that the Holy Spirit is tender and can't be around it. Mm-hmm. So the, like God's also like, yeah, I'm, I can't be here. So I'm leaving. Uh, that's just an interesting thing there. I think yeah. that when you read certain things, like uh, Samson, right? Mm-hmm. Samson didn't even realize that the spirit wasn't on him anymore. And so you have that. But I think that a lot of Christians go with the idea of, no, the fullness of God's spirit is with me all the time, no matter what I'm doing. And at most, they might start like, well, maybe I'm grieving him or maybe I'm quenching him. But just this mm-hmm. thing of like, no, you're, you're probably just fully consumed by like your sin right now. Yeah. yeah. I like uh, Chris Brown says it so much. Uh, probably almost every time I hear him talk, he always says, uh, would you ever notice that the Spirit left your ministry? Because he uh, he says it a lot when, he, when we had him on the show. Actually, the Samson episode that we had him on, uh, he said that, that like, you know, when the Spirit left, he was like, this was a check to me of like, would I even know that the Spirit of God left my ministry because I'm not doing what the Spirit wants? Like, I'm living contrary to it, and I'm just working in all my giftedness and not really moving in the Spirit. So it is interesting to see that like this evil spirit then comes in. And I read this too, that it said to be under the control of an evil spirit doesn't mean the, that there's a dramatic sign of demonic possession. 
And then it had the Saul comparison to the man in the graveyard. Like when we think of like an evil spirit taking over, we think the man in the graveyard in the New Testament, chains, crazy type thing. Yeah. But then there's Saul, where Saul was, you know, angry, right? He really was. He was trying to kill David. And his anger kept showing up. And that's what was driving him to constantly do so many wrong decisions. Yeah, and that's what it says here is that once that's out and he's emptied of the righteous spirit, then he's in a state of anarchy in every action. And he's just being dragged about because there's complete darkness darkness in his mind to anything good. It's like you can see somebody like a Saul, right? Who was mm-hmm. like, no, nah, anything good. Like, I'm just, I want to go kill this guy. Um, but in looking at just like the previous one, I was like, whoa, that seems really heavy. And like, what's going on? It does come in with, um, wherefore, though, if you depart from that most wicked spirit of anger and put on patience and resist anger and bitterness, and you'll be found in company with the purity, which is loved by the Lord. Right? Take care, then, that you neglect not by any chance this commandment. For if you obey this commandment, you'll be able to keep all the other commandments which I'm to give you. So I know that when I was like, oh, man, this is a horrible thing. If you're struggling with sin, mm-hmm. it was like, but here's the, th- the thing with the good commandments of God is that when he's giving the commandment, he's giving the freedom from all of those bad mm-hmm. things. So I really just wanted to put in there, like, this is the point of all of the thing is like that good commandment that's being given to put on patience because that overcomes all the other stuff. And that kind of reminds me of um, stuff that uh, we talked about in Rock and I's life group recently of like, um, you may be kind of like feeling like you're locked into like this certain sin or whatever. And it's only driving you down one path. Like you feel like that's the only thing you can do. But then with the freedom from sin, you have any other choice to make besides that sin. And so like people can be like, oh, like God's commands are restricting. Like it's a bunch of rules. But like, no, like it really is freedom. Because this thing that you feel like you can't escape, that you feel like you have to do, oh, it's a part of me or whatever. You have that freedom to make any other choice besides that now. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like it's. Like Jesus said, like, take on my yoke. It's easy. It's light. Mm-hmm. And it's the truth in that. Yeah, th- this was uh, interesting, too, because it called anger the worst spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that one's the worst? That's what's inside of me? Like, as someone, like, again, dealing with anger, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a real good check for me on this one. All right, uh, commandment numbers. <laughs> good thing it's not the Bible. Yeah, good thing it's not the Bible <laughs> and it's just the Shepherd of Hermas. Uh, Woo. <coughs> you all right? Hands no, is I'm dying. <laughs> like that massive fly flew down my throat. So that was huge. And it flew at me while I was like, talking. I'm like, don't, don't flinch. Don't like, flinch. Keep, keep talking. Keep talking. It was like that earlier thing from last week where it was like the beast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, do commandment number six, and then we'll hit a pause on this episode and then pick up the rest of the commandments for the next one. All right. Sounds good. All right. So mandate number six. Follow righteousness, do not follow unrighteousness, is how I summarized it. It's that two-way theology system, again, mm-hmm. that yeah. we see all over. Uh, there's two kinds of faith, there's two kinds of fear, there's now two kinds of restraints of, like, following righteousness. Um, all right, verse 4 in mine, I liked it. It said, uh, but walk in the straight and even way, and do not mind the crooked, for the crooked path has no roads, but has many pathless places and stumbling blocks in it. And it's rough and thorny. It is injurious to those who walk therein. And uh, what was really unusual for me here with this part right here, where it's talking about the two paths, righteousness and unrighteousness, was that usually the picture of the path, uh, when it's said in imagery, is attractive. Like this, the path of sin is, yes, it's attractive to the eye. Sin always looks good. Doing wrong is filled with so many people. But the 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 small, the narrow road, it's, it's, it's a tough and rigorous one. But here it flips it, and it talks about how, like, it's harder and it's filled with obstacles. The way it's thought up, and we, again, thinking of the Roman culture, it's probably because at that time the people reading this were very familiar with roads that were rough conditions that they had to walk on from place to place. And uh, as we did our traveling across America twice now, um, New Mexico, the worst roads in America— so many potholes, just uneven roads, right? Uh, they were tough. They were tough on our poor little car. Uh, and then Vermont. Vermont was the same thing. We, it was a 10-mile stretch of pure gravel road uh, that took us forever. Well, what are you doing with a Prius in Vermont? Exactly. That's not a Vermont problem. That's a you problem. <laughs> That's a me problem. But it was just such a rough road, um, and it was not something we want to drive on. Like, we talk about it all the time. 
I never want to drive through New Mexico again because that those roads were just so beat. Um, but yeah, it's just this comparison of like it, it was different than what I'm used to the picture that's usually being painted. I think what it's doing is like the picture that's painted like by the world is like, ooh, look, it's so appealing. Mm -hmm. Come over here versus what's being shown here is just like, yeah, see if you walk down that it is full of troubles. And so it's giving like the let's break the illusion real quick and see what it actually looks like. Kind of what you were saying. That's what it put in my mind of like, ah, yeah, peek behind the veil that's mm, there. Yeah. yeah. Like it looks good, but actually it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> to bring just the actual reality to the situation. Because like for me, like I, I coach. And so or I used to coach. It's been a minute now. But um, I would try to always tell my players like, Keep, just keep like a positive mindset because if you think about like the thing you don't want to do, it's going to happen. And I think like in a similar way of thinking, like if you think, oh, like, yeah, like sin's very attractive and all that stuff. And you just keep thinking like that, like the words in your head are sin is attractive, even though you know it's like, but it's bad, but it's bad. But mm -hmm. you have that imagery in your head. It just makes it such an easier snare for you. To where it's like, if you got a chocolate chip cookie that had like dog poop mixed in it, and like you knew, the cookie could still look good, even though it was like, oh, I'm not going to eat it. But like the cookie does look appetizing versus like I bring you just a plate of dog poo. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not even thinking about eating that. Yeah. Like there's no sort of like a connection of like what I even would eat. And to where like just bringing the reality of what that is, we'll just like change the attitude of like oh no sin is disgusting like mm -hmm. sin is gross and it's vile and evil such a prayer like god please change my view to like see this thing as it is because yeah. i don't mm -hmm. want to be attracted to it right no. but it's like no but sometimes you got to be honest I'm like all right now i am yeah <laughs> right? mm -hmm. so just, i am but i don't want to help me to see it different because i want to look at it and be disgusted i want to look at it and see it for what it is so that i can accurately live life and yeah yeah the commentary i read put a parallel between this and the Epistle of Barnabas. Um, and it said... Are we ever going to do Epistle of Barnabas? We keep dancing around that. We probably should. One, like, excluded books of the Bible season. Part two. 17. Do yeah. it. All right. Yeah, we will. It'll be in there. Uh, I really want to do, like, Polycarp and Clement, but we'll also... That's even further, further. Yeah, further, further. <laughs> but it said, uh, but the way of the unrighteous is crooked and full, uh, full of a curse, for it is a way of eternal death and with uh, punishment wherein are the things that destroy men's soul, idolatry, boldness, uh, exaltation of power, hypocrisy, doubleness of heart, idolatry, murder, plundering, pride, transgressions, treachery, malice, stubbornness, witchcraft, magic, covetousness, absence of the fear of God, uh, persecutor of good men, hating the truth, loving lies, not perceiving the reward of the righteous, not clinging to the good nor to the righteous judgment, paying no heed to the widow and the orphan, uh, wakeful, not for the fear of God, but for that which is evil. And it continues on and on and on about how bad and what it is and all these corrupt things. Um, I, I know we see it, the, like the way of two, and we get told like this leads to death. But again, yeah, that attractiveness image. And I really like the way you phrased that, Josiah, that like all our mind hears is sin is attractive. Because we're saying that. Um, Even a lot of times in churches, like, well, sin is fun. Mm-hmm for a season or you know yeah. however it gets phrased I, I, yeah. I really like what you brought over there so we're talking about those two paths right yeah I like the next part because it's really just cartoonish yep <laughs> like it's literally the cartoon of you have the righteous angel and the unrighteous mm -hmm. angel or the wicked yeah, angel yeah, yeah, and it's just like it it's just the cartoon and just like oh I really wish that that was legit in the bible because yeah. they would just give like yeah that's I mean for anybody who's listening that's what's happening here in the shepherd from us it's yeah like, there's two angels they're both going to fight over you know leading you yeah one is like a the good one on one side and one is on the other side and they're both trying to see which one is going to be the more dominant one whispering in your ear yeah yeah, yeah. i like the one from uh emperor's new groove where they're doing it and the devil's <laughs> like no 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 he's got a point <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the testament of judah actually does uh kind of mention it too so understand my children the two spirits await an opportunity with humanity the spirit of truth and the spirit of error in between is the conscious of the mind, which inclines as it will. So like, even there in the Testament of Judah, it's saying like, yeah, you've got two warring little things going like back and forth, back and forth, like do the right thing, do the wrong thing, do the right thing, do the wrong thing. Yeah, that is an interesting thing. 
I didn't see it as the cartoon. So when you said it, how was, did you not see that? As the, that was the first thing I thought <laughs> yeah, of. I didn't even think of it. And I'm just picturing all the cartoons right now. My brain, Tom and Jerry, uh, Bugs Bunny, like all the yeah. ones that it did. Mainly Tom and Jerry. I think yeah. I could see that all the time. Yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I pictured. But I also, how many times have you heard it preached? The whole thing of like, oh, there's two wolves, mm-hmm. right? The one that you feed the most. And it's like. It's weird to hear that from the pulpit so often, given that that's from like a belief system that isn't ours. As like, if you were to go to this thing called the Shepherd of Hermas, which was highly regarded through a big chunk of Christian history, it would just tell you, stop talking about wolves. There's a righteous angel and mm-hmm. a wicked angel. That makes sense within your own theology. Talk about yeah. that, not the wolves. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I, I don't know if it's Paul, but... I just keep thinking two warring spirits in you. And I don't even know if that's in the Bible, but like that's what keeps coming to my mind when I was reading this. And I'm like, so it, there is this tracking there of like, either that or I'm making it up right now. So maybe there's not a tracking, but you know, there is this thing of like, yeah, there's two warring things. And um, I think that you're thinking of the spirit and the flesh. Yeah. That the flesh is always warring against. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of ties into this notion of like the good angel and the bad angel. Like, there's the spirit and the flesh, each warring. Because that's usually where the wolf analogy comes in, is the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Got anything else for this one? Anyone? I just like that he says that here's how you can know which one is actually going on. Because the angel of righteousness is going to lead you, like when he comes into your heart, he's going to talk to you about righteousness, talk to you about purity, chastity, contentment, all kinds mm-hmm. of righteous deeds and glorious virtues. So when he's in your heart, fully trust that one. Goes all right, but this other one that comes in is wrathful, bitter, and foolish. It's you're gonna make you want to desire after rich delicacies, drunken revelries. Uh, gonna make you think about improper things, hankering after women, overreaching, and pride. And just like when you notice those things are there, realize that that's like this this wicked spirit that's trying to lead. Don't trust. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like that's what's going on there. So I just like how it kind of put it out there. Like here's how you can. Do like a self-check. When you know that these are your thoughts and what's in your heart, Mm -hmm. here's what's at play. I just find it kind of humorous in my head. I'm imagining a whole little scene going. But um, like towards the very end, um, uh, he says, the the shepherd says, Hermes, thou seest then that it is good to follow the angel of righteousness and to bid farewell to the angel of wickedness. And in my head, I'm like, tell him later. (laughs) Like, peace out. And like just that image in my head, I just find it funny. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I feel very dumb that I didn't put that one together there. But yeah, I could just, now I'm just seeing it. That's the only thing I can see is the, the That's two the, the only thing you can see, yeah. Once <laughs> yeah. it's there, you can't unsee you it. You can't unsee right? it. But yeah, it, it's been a very interesting with the first six commandments already. Like what there's, like I said at the beginning, there's a running theme or they, they're building on top of each other. And if you don't have the fear of the Lord, guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to listen more to that little demon on the side of you telling you, yeah, do it. Look at how fun it is. Look at how attractive it is. Um, you're you're going to lust after things. And then, you know, there's where we get into the adultery. Um, and you're going to let out bursts of anger instead of mm-hmm. self-control. Uh, you're not going to have patience. You're not going to have any of that. Uh, but it does start off with that fear of God, that that's what starts putting us in the right mindset and perspective. Um and it's going to be fun once we get into Commandment 7, which is going to be the next episode, Fear the Lord again. So Yeah, I just want to say one last thing of what you brought up about, like, uh, follow the angel of righteousness, but bid farewell. There's that old um, underwrote song called Angel Below, and there's just a lyric mm. in there that he's just basically just like, I'm full on against the devil, right? Like, you tried to trick me, but now I'm full on against you, and I'm going to war. And there's a, there's a lyric in there that's just, it's just like, if you could die, I'd be the one with the gun. Mm. And it was like, from this day on, I'll write the songs you hate. I'll do like all this stuff, right? So just like, really, I'm, I see that you're the enemy and I'm against you. So this is in a really nice way of like, bid farewell. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a final farewell. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got that piece. You're gone. Yeah. I love, I love Christian metal. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That was my only thing. It was just like a bit of farewell to the angel of iniquity seems too gentle like like this this is a a a farewell oh you know what i'm picturing now lord of the rings schmeagle that whole scene where he's like talking to himself and he's like (laughs) you need me and he's like no i have them they're my friends now and he's like you're weak you're a loser and he's just like bashing him he's like go away i don't need you (laughs) and then there's clarity like he bid a farewell yeah 
it's just me now like that was such a yeah that's that is a good point to bring up though because like sometimes you can get so wrapped into what's going on internally and all the stuff and all the lies and all of the deception and all of that not realizing like how close freedom is mm-hmm. is to just bidding farewell and like really just coming back to god like it really i've had that happen towards like the moment of clarity towards like whoa why did i waste so much time struggling with that whatever that is like it's just how you said it, just like go away You're like whoa it went away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that scene yeah that's one of my favorite scenes it's hilarious all right let's wrap this one up i am chris i'm Mirdle. and i'm josiah we are your church friends thanks for listening excluded books of the bible